Thank you guys for your faithfulness, for continuing to study uh, with us through this topic. It's been a blessing to me uh, to have you here, uh, to be able to uh, bring some of these up uh, topics up with parents. I've had meetings with parents already where you know we've just gotten together and talked through some of the things that we've um, been teaching on, and uh, that's been encouraging to me uh, to see it already at work in your own lives, as well as uh, just how you've uh, viewed uh, the information and and how you've begun to implement some of the, the principles within your own life and family and home. And, uh, and so I'm excited uh, to see that at work in your lives. But uh, as we get started tonight, uh, I am going to open with prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll get started. Father, thank you for allowing us to be able to come to you uh, to ask you for help as we uh, dive into your word. Thank you for the faithfulness of so many tonight, Lord. Uh, thinking of even Clay and um, his desire to serve you in many ways and how you've gifted him, blessed him with um, uh, many talents, and thank you for his willingness to teach and lead in singing. And, uh, Lord, we we understand that uh, even when things like that occur, you are still glorified and honored. Um, uh, We rejoice, we sing, um, uh, hopefully all all day long. Uh, We we thank you and give, give thanks to you for... Uh, how precious you are, uh, the gifts that you have blessed us with, uh, the grace that you have shown us in abundance, uh, the mercies that you have poured upon us, and um, for the very reality that we can come to um, the God of the universe and uh, seek him as a father. Uh, what a privilege. And uh, may we not ever lose uh, the uh, just the precious reality of what that is. Um, help us, Lord, uh, to turn our attention even to this Uh, topic tonight as we uh, learn um, to continue to be uh, good teachers in our home as parents. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, two weeks ago we left off at part one of a lesson uh, where we were looking at um, uh, the parent as teacher. We're looking at the roles of parents. We looked at uh, the parent as disciplinarian, and now we are Uh, finishing up tonight, hopefully, on uh, the parent as teacher. As I said, there is a lot of content um, on this this section, so uh, we will will get through uh, most of it, and if we don't get through it all, uh, I'll do as I've done in the past and send you the rest of the notes uh, with those uh, blanks filled in so that you don't have to try and think, okay, what is in Matt's head or what is the content um, actually supposed to say? Um, But uh, tonight... Uh, we last week we looked at um, what do parents teach, and that begins with the fear of God, knowing God, worshiping God, pleasing God, and then we looked at submission and obedience to authority. And in addition to the fear of God and submission and obedience to authority, parents also have many other important topics to teach, including, and tonight we'll begin with how to deal with sin, how to deal with sin. Now I probably don't have to go into a big explanation of what is sin with you all. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it kind of go, coincides with Pastor Farrell's message this morning uh, that all of us um, are, are sinners. Uh, we, are, we are depraved from the very moment that we are conceived. Uh, we are brought into, um, into conception. And so um, uh, man is evil. Man is sinful. And so how do we deal with that? That is what we're going to look at to begin with. Well, Proverbs 8, 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, is to hate evil. And so dealing with personal sin is, is where we are to really begin in this. Um, we are so often easily distracted by what is going on in another person's life that we fail to recognize, the, as the, uh, the author of, of many books in the Bible says, the log in our own eye. And so tonight we're going to look at how to deal with our personal sin to begin with. In Proverbs 3, 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes, but what? Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And, and so what are some things that we can do uh, to do that? Well, we should be willing to examine ourselves, examine ourselves and receive reproof from others. Psalm 139, Proverbs 6 uh, tell us those things, and this really comes back to that reality of what we refer to as body life. And um, uh, you know, we 
we will uh, catch these phrases or these buzzwords and phrases that go around a lot, uh, a lot but, um, but that body life is just really the, the one anothering that is going on within the church, within the body of believers. And so how do you commune with one another on a regular basis? Is your relationship superficial in the sense that you come here on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night? You talk about the games that are going on this coming week or last week. You talk about how business is going, what's going on in life, and that's just the extent of your relationship. Or do you get down into the weeds of things and say, hey, Tom, what's, uh, what's this about in your life? I saw you respond this way to Melissa. I'm not saying that they did anything wrong. I'm just saying, for example, yeah. Uh, you know, I begin, you begin to point some of these things out in their lives as a, as a close brother, as a brother that cares and loves him. Or... More likely, he's to come to me and say, Matt, I noticed you were treating your kids this way. Why would you do that? And so to examine our hearts, to examine our own lives, and to evaluate how we can encourage one another uh, to love and good works, but also to rebuke, to reprove one another. And the Bible refers to our sin as logs which must be removed. Matthew 7 verse 3 tells us that. And this includes taking responsibility for our sin without what blame shifting making excuses rationalizing or minimizing the offense here in just a little bit we're going to be talking about this with our own uh, in regards to our own children and oftentimes what is the deal uh, what will come about when we begin to point something out sinful sin in our child what is there a lot of times what is their response when we begin to say why did you do this or you did this. These are the consequences. What are, the, what, what are some immediate responses well, you might they. get? Yeah, well, they. That's exactly what I have written down. <laughs> is Well, they did. You know, well, they instigated or they pushed me or they stole my sucker or they did these things. And so I retaliated. I responded. I'm, it's, it's okay. I'm free. I'm, you know, I'm off. Um, uh, I, I did nothing wrong. I just responded the way I should. That, and oftentimes, as adults, that can be our response too. And so notice where this begins. This doesn't begin with dealing with sin in your child. It begins where? Dealing with sin in your own heart. Remember I said you're no better a parent than you are a spouse, than you are what? A child of God. You are no better a parent than you are a spouse then you are a child of God. And so we first must look at our own selves and evaluate where we are in that walk with the Lord. Taking responsibility of our sin without blame shifting, without making excuses, without rationalizing or minimizing the offense. And friends, even if we go to a person and we begin to re- bring reproof and we say, let's consider some of these things, and you may be gentle and kind, and you may be leading them down the straight and narrow and helping them see the reality of their sin. And they may start to grab, you know, grab a hold and say, yeah, you know, man, I was wrong in this. Um, but you have to keep, hold that through the entire way because there is the reality that oftentimes you, you may be taking them down that path of realizing where they are. And it doesn't take much for them to veer off and to say, yeah, you know, I, I did that. That was sinful. Um, but, you know, I was just tired that day <laughs> or, you know, it was just a really stressful week and don't, don't accept that. You, you're, you're gracious, you're generous, but also realize that sin is, is sin. There's no, there's no gray area within that. Uh, Pastor Farrell was preaching that very clearly this morning. So when we sin, what does God require of us? When we sin, what does God require of us? Repentance. That's exactly right. God requires repentance, a, a change of mind that leads to a change in behavior. That repentance, that turning away from that, that act, turning away from that sinful thought, that sinful word, that sinful response. Turning away and turning unto something else. That is repentance. And so teach your children about repentance, including really looking at even the Holy Spirit's role in bringing conviction of sin and sorrow over sin. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. You make sure that they understand what godly sorrow is. 
because there's all kinds of sorrow out there. I mean, there's people that will cry tears that are will fill the ocean, and yet there's no genuine repentance within them because, man, they are just such good criers. And they may, maybe if, they may feel re, remorse, but really that remorse is just over the reality that they have been caught in something, and they're, they have brought to shame themselves, and, and they're, they're shamed in the reality that they are caught in an act. So how do you, um, we, must, we must teach our children how to receive God's forgiveness through confession and acknowledgement of sin. Uh, this is something I, I said that you need to practice early on in, in your, raising your children. Help them say those words, like go to their brother or their sister and say, I did this thing that was sinful. Will you forgive me for doing this against you? And having them do that regularly. Not that you're setting them up uh, so that they just know how to play the game and say the right words, but allow them to understand what does that look like in reality. And then as they grow, you're beginning to show them why is this important? Why is it that we have you say these things? Why is it that that we are to do that? And so this is how uh, we are to receive God's forgiveness. This is how we do that through confession, through the acknowledgement of our sin. We also want to uh, teach the importance of, of seeking reconciliation with others whenever necessary. Seek reconciliation whenever necessary. This is so important, especially within the marriage context. Um, uh, when you know, pa- uh, Dr. Hager and, 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 and uh, uh, Dr. Abbott have been uh, you know, going through this, I had to catch myself there. Um, uh, when, when, you know, as they've been, uh, as they've been uh, teaching you, uh, in in uh, Sunday school uh, about the intimate marriage, you know, part of that intimate marriage is the reality of how do you reconcile between one another? You know, is it just you write off the wrongs of one another and let it go and let it be by and by? Is it, or is there the reality of I need to go and confess this? And and how often do you do that before your children? Go go before your children and and say. You know, honey, I was I was wrong in the way that I handled this situation before you. It it shows the kids that I don't respect you, I don't respect your authority, your your place of authority over our children, and if I don't respect that, these kids are not going to respect that either. So, how often do you do that? Where is where is the modeling going forward? And we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Also. Um, are you teaching your children about the requirement of even making restitution when necessary and appropriate? Look, uh, Luke 19, verse 8. You know, are you, are you helping them see, you know, maybe there is an instance where, where they've, done, they've committed a sinful act that has, uh, that has harmed another, that has um, uh, physically, or maybe they have broken something that was another person's. And so... How do you help them make restitution? How do you make them, uh, help them see that I need to really take ownership of this scenario and maybe I need to buy the new thing? So you go and you take their piggy bank and you say, one, two, three, four, this is how much this costs. And, um, and you say, this is this many ice cream cones. This is this many uh, video games at the arcade. This is this many um, books that you can buy and help them see that reality of the cost, of the value of what they've done. And then also, all the while, you're teaching them that when it comes to sin, though, that sin, you can't pay the money out and get rid of that. So there's a, there's a balance there. But Luke 19 you know, helps us even see that. Then there's this other thing. How they can learn from failure how they can learn from failure teach them how to learn from failure encourage them to be ready for the next time this is so important and 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 such an overlooked uh, principle for parents ask them what they could do differently next time what could you do when this situation this scenario happens next time what do you think would be a better response to that you know instead of going and and stealing all of your sister's toys, you know, what could be a better response? Um, instead of, of, of destroying this thing of that person because you know it would really make them angry and upset or hurt their feelings, 
what could you do to respond in a different way? And so teach and model. Remember, I said, uh, remember that it's been said, more is caught than what? Taught. More is caught than taught. Teach and model these truths to your child. Uh, Pray that God will bring true repentance in their hearts. So model it. Pray for them. Also, be careful of being only a don't parent. Be careful to not just be a don't parent without instructing. Because that's so easy for us. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. And it's good for us to do that, to stop them. But don't do that without instructing the child about the right thing to do. That's the put-off, put-on principle that you've probably heard of, of many times in your, in your life. Ephesians is full of those put-off, put-on. Um, the, the Gospels themselves, the, uh, the, the epistles are full of put-off, put-ons. Make sure that you're identifying things within their, their lives of, you need to get this out of here, but don't just get rid of this. What is a better thing to put in place of it? And so these are the things that we want to identify. And, and in your notes, I believe it will send you to appendix, appendix number seven, simple principles for identifying, changing, and developing habits. Uh, principles for identifying, changing, and developing habits. Take a look at that. Uh, it helps us to see what are some of those put-off, put-ons. Again, if you're here and you have not received the, um, the, uh, the appendix, the appendices, let me know and I'll send those to you. Uh, second, uh, dealing with other sin. So not just the fact, matter of dealing with your own sin, looking at your pers- yourself, but what about dealing with other sin? And the Bible outlines various responses to sin, uh, to the sin of others. You know, people will say, you know, Matt, the Bible teaches us that we're to go, we're to confront one another, we're to deal with this. And oftentimes our answer is, I need to go tell the pastor because the pastor is the guy that needs to deal with this. Or I need to go tell that small group leader. I need to go tell my Sunday school teacher. They'll handle it. Well, brothers and sisters, that's not what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible actually says that we as a brother or sister are to, to confront them. And the Bible outlines various responses to, to the sin of others. Uh, explain times to flee so they don't get caught up in the sin of others. Um, and that's one, one thing that we have to do is to, uh, to realize, you know, in training, teaching our, instructing our children is that sometimes if the, chi- if the child is around others and, and th- those people are being sinful, one of the best responses for them is to what? Get out of Dodge. Get out of there. You know, don't, uh, uh, don't even be around that. Flee from it. Don't get caught up in the sin. Uh, teach them the, the importance of returning Good for evil, Romans cha- uh, chapter 12. This goes back to you know, what Katie was even saying earlier. If you, were, if you were looking at this, the importance of returning good for evil, you know, we oftentimes will say, but they, or the kids will respond. We do that too. But you know, kids will say, but they did this, and so I'm justifying that I'm going to respond in evil likewise. It's never, it's, it, it never uh, creates a positive when we put two negatives together in that sense. Uh, one recommend, uh, recommendation for reading would be How to Overcome Evil by Jay Adams. But we need to stress the importance of being a peacemaker. You know, oftentimes the, uh, our natural inclination is just to be combative. We put up that barrier or we put up the dukes and we're ready to take it out you know with with them and and we're ready to return evil for evil but romans chapter 12 verse 18 says there is importance in being a peacemaker there is importance in being a peacemaker romans chapter 12 verse 10 says this may require giving up our own right our own personal preference you know we have to lay down um, our own life and the sacrifice for others. John 15, verse 13 says that. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Christ is a model for this in Philippians, he tells us. So teach your child how to confront sin in a loving but firm manner. You know, oftentimes that is, that is uh, the way that we will confront things. It's, you know, we're trying to be gentle. We, want, we don't want to cause, you know, create conflict. 
Um, I mean, there may be some of you that conflict is your MO. Like, that's just what you live for. <laughs> Whew. I'm not one of those people. And, um, and, uh, and so, it, you know, it takes me time to, to approach. And, and I've had to learn, like, how to confront people in this way, um, especially when, you, uh, when you're in ministry, you know, because you're, you, are to, uh, you are to handle these in a gentle but firm way. You know, this is what it talks about. But, um, but how do you even do that within your, uh, within your own home? Uh, how are you modeling that with your children? Uh, because obviously, if what they see is a barking, is a yelling, is a don't, you know, is that the way they're going to be in uh, in the public with others? Like this is not what you do, and and you uh, you begin to lash out and, and tell people this is not right and scream and yell. Well, you teach your child how to confront sin in a loving but firm manner. Uh, Matthew eighteen, Matthew five, Galatians six. Uh, all of these pointing us to that direction of, of what that looks like. There's another recommended resource uh, there for you in your notes, uh, The Peacemaker. Um, I recommend you uh, checking that out. But teach them the importance of forgiving others, Ephesians 4.32. Teach them the importance of forgiving others. It doesn't. This isn't just the reality of, of we are helping a person realize their sinfulness but also, we're releasing them from that from that guilt. We're releasing them from the bondage that ultimately Christ is the one that is going to bear that grief, that sorrow. But also, this is also something that is freeing for us. It's in, it's important for us to forgive them because it's allowing us to have a relationship with that individual again. That that is 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 now in um, in contention. It's it's now divided. We're bringing reconciliation because of where God has put us and allowed us to be in a place of reconciliation with that person. So to, to forgive another means you don't use the offense against them. For example, you, you don't bring it up again to harm them. You don't gossip about it. You don't go around and saying, um, you know, whenever somebody mentions their name, oh, yeah, 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 I, I used to spend time with them. Yeah, I used to hang out with them, talk to them, but... Uh, they did this thing to me, and uh, I just uh, I, I just felt it's best not to not to be around them anymore, have any dealings with them, and and um, and even the slightest little bit of, of that coming up, you begin it's it's gossip that's seeping out. You know, there's something in your heart that's rooted that it begins to overflow out of the abundance of the heart. Don't let uh, don't needlessly dwell on what has happened. Philippians 4 verse 8. What does Philippians 4 verse 8 say? Think on these things. These things that offended you. These things that hurt you. These things that make you angry. No. Think on those things that are lovely, that are pure, that are true. Those things are the things that we are to dwell on. And it's not positive thinking. It's you know, it's not these things that the world wants us to say. Oh, we'll just think about happy daisies and rainbows. Um, you know, it all makes you feel better. It's it's think on those things that are true. Those things that are honorable to the Lord. So, uh, it, it's it's required, and it's required in unlimited amounts. This is required. It's it's required in unlimited amounts. Forgiveness involves choosing not to remember, not to act toward another person based on what they have done, like God does for us. Now, we could go down all kinds of trails, I understand, and you could say, well, Matt, what about the guy that you loaned $200 to and he never paid it, paid it back to you? You just forgive him? Let him have $200 the next time? Would that be wise? Would that be discerning? No. No. Okay, so there's there's an understanding that, that we have to use with wisdom and discernment there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Sorry, Jane. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean you know it's 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 important for us. It's important for us to remember how do we how do we handle these things? in these circumstances what do we what do we do in the moment um that we do are confronted with that individual that 
that has gone against us, that has created an offense. There's, there's this barrier that is there, there now. Well, we are to do as God does. We are to forgive, choosing not to remember, not to act toward another person based on what they have done, like God does for us in Isaiah 43, verse 25, or Jeremiah chapter 31. It's required in unlimited amounts, Matthew 18 and Luke 17. It, it, it's, it's essential for maintaining a healthy relationship, both within and outside the family. That's probably one of the hardest places for us to really resolve some of these things, these issues, is within the family. Um, now, probably all of you have families that everybody gets along. Nobody has issues or or anything. So, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a dream world. Yeah. Katie? Um, one of the key things that I'm picking up on, too, is that choosing not to remember, mm-hmm. um, and especially with our kids, but how do we how do we teach them? I guess the element of forgiveness and moving forward, where if we're confronting them in their sin, we forgive them. But yet it is also a habitual sin. Oh right, yeah. That is continually coming up, and is because they're children, they're not going to necessarily understand mm-hmm. um, that element of it. But I, I'm just thinking personally, I'm struggling with one of my kids with a habitual sin issue, mm-hmm. and I don't want to keep bringing it up. Um, that will continue to forgive, but yeah. I guess you do understand. Oh, totally. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. Anybody have thoughts? I'm not just clueless on this. I just thought I would <laughs> I'll throw it out there, or maybe I am. But. else yeah it's I, I a lot of it is dealing with you know the context of what you are doing in that moment um, your response to it so if 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 you respond to the child it's like oh we've been through this a million times and yeah you've already forgiven them you've gone through that act of forgiveness you've you've dealt with that scenario but you are on your last nerve and you can't believe this has happened again we're talking about it again why do we have to do this 100,000 times that's that's where you mean evaluate your response and your own heart in that but as you look at them and you're you're shepherding them you're you're instructing them in that moment you're saying I have forgiven you like what Don said repentance my response in you repenting is to forgive you of that act. And I have forgotten it. There, there may have been a consequence. There may have been a response in that moment. But I have forgotten it. However, to the degree that we still know in our minds, I'm not going to hold you accountable for it again a second or a third or fourth or a fifth or a sixth time. We've already dealt with it. It's been put away. That's really the remembering part of it. And so it's, I have forgotten it in the sense that I'm not going to bring it back up and punish you again for that. But in this moment, there is a pattern, there's habitual sin that's going on. You're saying, we've dealt with this, but you've also said you've repented of that. And what repentance is, is a repentance is a turning away from it, saying, I'm no longer going to be doing that again. That's not how I'm going to respond. That's not what I'm going to do. Yet... This is something that we've seen over and over and over and over again. What's wrong? What do, you, what do you see wrong with that? Help them to ask that question. What is it that I'm doing wrong? What is it that is wrong in my own heart, in my own choices, in my own life right now? And so, yeah, I think, I think it's good for us to evaluate that, to understand that, that forgetting, you know, I'm not going to remember it any longer and really what that is saying is that I'm not going to hold you accountable to the point I'm going to punish you a second or third or fourth time. God punishes for that, for that sin. He gives consequence for that sin. 
but he remembers it no longer if we repent of it. There's no longer any condemnation for that for that sin. So is that helpful? Or is that you guys? Any comments? Thoughts? Some things happen over and over. You might want to examine your discipline see if you do it the right way. Oh yeah, sure, certainly, That's certainly. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's kind of why I was asking too, because yeah. it's like if if it's a continual thing, yeah. and then we start increasing discipline, well, that <coughs> remembering it because now the discipline is easy. I guess I don't know. Like, how do you balance that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure. Um, trying to think of a good way to define and explain that. Yeah. Even though it's habitual, I'm not bringing up what happened last time. I'm just, I'm just recognizing you're trying to handle the thing that happened today. It's just, it's a, you know, I'm saying I'm not going to remember last Thursday. You did the same thing. No, it's just, I'm not going to bring that up. He's going to say, so today, this is what we're working on. So, what are you asking forgiveness for? Why are you saying sorry? Do you know what you're saying sorry? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the reality is, is that you're wanting to help them to evaluate their sin in. Not evaluate it based upon their own logic and reasoning, but evaluate it based upon God's reasoning. And so, um, so certainly, yes. Uh, what have we said over and over again? Our our desire, our purpose, is to bring the child back to the reality that they have a dependence upon their ability and their will to not sin. No, it's it's their ability to have faith and trust in the Lord to help them overcome that sin. Uh, to free them from the bondage of that sin. And so if you're not able, if they're not doing that, if they're not, uh, if they are habitually in that sin over and over and over, their will is bent towards, you know, their power, their strength, and their ability, rather than what the Lord has entrusted to them divinely. And so um, so that's a moment of time for us to to pray with them, to encourage them, instruct them, but also it does uh, necessitate, like what Rick was saying, um, is that there may need to be a heavier consequence for that to help show them that this is something that you aren't overcoming, and maybe that first response was not weighty enough on my end. Not that I'm punishing this old, old, old time, but the reality is, is that there must it necessitates something heavier on this end. It's good. Good good question. Good discussion. Uh, the, uh, uh, there's a couple more recommendations there for you. Um, the freedom of power of forgiveness. Um, uh, it's, and then uh, an audio recommendation. Um, that fulfilled family, I think that's like a, almost like a 12-part series. So um, if you're interested in listening to it, you may go through and, and figure out which which parts might be uh, a priority for you but I would recommend you listening to it at some point it's a it's an, in, an incredible series uh, to look at and uh, or listen to uh, biblical communication biblical communication is another thing that we uh, we must uh, recognize and we must begin to evaluate within our own uh, our own household and with our own children Ephesians 4:29. Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. And the tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly, Proverbs 15.2. So help your child identify the following elements of good communication, because part of this looking at forgiveness, this, this looking at evaluating my own heart and evaluating my own sin, and then ultimately seeking that forgiveness, is, is having good communication. And so what are some areas that we must identify and we must begin to tune correctly when it comes to good communication? Well, the first one is listening. Listening. <laughs> listening skills are not inherent. Children need to understand the importance of listening as well. Um, 
how and when to listen. They must see and understand the importance of listening as well as how and when to listen. Uh, we are to, to be quicker to hear than to speak, not answering before we have heard the matter, uh, allowing others to finish. Uh, what are some things that we uh, are oftentimes engaging with with our children when it comes to the listening aspect? What are some issues that you've come, come to uh, within, within your own family within, or with your dealings with other children, maybe? When you're, when you're giving instructions, they what? They tune out. Yeah. Yeah. They zone out. What else? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's. Yeah. 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 That's the, that's actually the, the meaning behind the here. Hear, O Israel. That's a, it's 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 not just a let the no, noise come in and cling around. It's an actual listen, listen and response in the Old Testament. That's that's the meaning of that word. So, yeah, there's a difference between listening and hearing. Very good. Well, also, what about interruptions? Interrupting a conversation. You ever deal with that? <laughs> How many times a day? <laughs> How many times can we count that? Um, when there's when there's really no valid re- valid reason, you know, uh, kids get excited about all kinds of things. Mom, Dad, there's an ant on the floor. <laughs> Mom, Dad, my shirt's purple. You know, it's like it's like all these things are great, and to a kid, that's a big deal. We get that, we understand that. But is it okay? Uh, is it okay for them to come and interrupt maybe a very serious conversation? to share such a, an amazing thing. So teaching them, helping them understand what is, what is a good time to interrupt, what is a good time to respond, what is, when is a good time to, to speak, and when is not, um, how and when to listen. Uh, um, really, interruption, interrupting a conversation shows disrespect. It shows a, a, a lack of self-control. Proverbs 17, verses 27 through 28 says that. In parents... We need to teach and model to our children the importance of respect and patience. We need to teach and model the, the importance of respect and patience when it comes to conversations. Uh, it might be helpful to teach an appropriate way of your child to interrupt when it is necessary. You know, maybe that's just coming around um, and you're, you're talking to another adult. You're talking to your spouse and your child needs to come and say something. I know parents that kid will come up and put their hand up, you know, or come up and, you know, thumbs up or something like that, or, or just a, a simple tug on the shirt. Uh, and oftentimes that gets, uh, you know, like one of those kinds of things, like that's not okay. So, <laughs> um, but or, or a simple hand on the shoulder, you know, and not a, you get those earthquakes going on where they're, they're, they're tapping on the shoulder. Uh, what is an appropriate way to interrupt a conversation? And when is it appropriate to interrupt a conversation? It's one thing to come and say, Dad, I'm really excited. My shirt is blue. It's another thing to come and say, Dad, sister just fell off the thing and broke her arm. You know, that's a pretty important thing. I should probably know about that. Um, not like kids waiting patiently. It's awesome. It's great. You come and you say, yeah, how can I help you? So-and-so broke their arm and it's you know, they're, they're crying. You're panicked then at that moment. Like, why didn't you tell me? And then you, you rebuke them and they're thinking, I was trying to be patient. Yeah. So help them understand when is it appropriate? When is it appropriate? And how is it appropriate to interrupt? That probably seems like common sense, but I can tell you it, it doesn't always come common. (laughs) Uh, Speaking, teach your children how to reach out to others through edifying discussion. Teach your children how to reach out to others through edifying discussion. Effective conversation involves a willingness to engage in and contribute to conversations when appropriate. When is it okay for me to to engage in a conversation? Uh, Speech that is edifying in content, motive, tone, and volume. 
uh, prove, uh, I'm sorry, prove, uh, Proverbs, <laughs> I'm reading abbreviations here, um, Proverbs uh, 15, verse 1, uh, Proverbs 16, 21, you know, when is, when is that speech edifying in content, motive, tone, and volume? Um, and, you know, you're always regulating that with your children, like, it is okay for us to speak this way in this, um, in this area, in this venue, it's okay for us to speak this way outside, maybe out in the backyard, but when we're at the dinner table, it's not okay for us to yell across the table when the kid's two, two feet away from you. Uh, that's not how we converse in this setting. Helping them understand what's, what the, what the um, expectations are. Uh, the right amount of talking, not too little, not too much. Um, uh, you all, uh, especially you that, that have multiple children, you, you know that one child, it, their, their word... Uh, speak is like uh, 10,000 words a day. The other one, it might be five. You know, So uh, you're going to have that difference, and you're going to have to help them understand that it's okay for you to talk and have conversation with others, but understand that others like to talk as well. Yes, Jane? Yeah, my dad did that really nicely to me. He would say, now, Jane, you only have a certain amount of words that you can say in your life. So if you say too many of them now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! At some point, you just start stop talking. Is that what, is that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> you just run out. Jeff has no comment on that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna save him on there. Yes. It's good. I'll have to use that one. Yeah, yeah. You're about to run out of words. I'm sorry. Your your daily meter is gone. So yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> the right amount of talking. Yeah, not too little, not too much. Um, yeah, three little bears. Maybe we can pull that in there. But um, uh, responses appropriate to the people being addressed. How do you respond? Speaking to a child casually on the playground versus answering a teacher in class, or responding to a parent's request. You know, how is that? How is that uh, dictated within your own homes? Um, now that is not a. This goes back to our, um, you know, black and white, uh, gray areas of expectations and parenting um, that we spoke about earlier in the in the semester. It's uh, the Bible is not explicit when it comes to a child should respond to a person in this form. You know, it's it's not a, always a yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. Even though those are great things for us to instill and entrust in our children. Um, one, one family may decide to, to uh, have their children do that, and another family may decide not to. It does not make that family holier than this other family. We have to keep that in, in mind and keep that attuned so that uh, we keep ourselves from becoming pharisaical in that way. But we are to help them un- understand that it is appropriate for us to give honor to where honor is due. And so, you know, my child may speak a way to their sibling that they are not allowed to speak to, say, Pastor Abbott at school. And so making sure that, that, that those, those lines are distinct is important. So communication, it involves and includes how to discuss issues like current events, biblically with the family. You know, family gatherings are important for us to even think through this. Um, it's amazing when you get around a group of kids and they start talking about the things that they've heard mom and dad talk about at home. <laughs> I really enjoy that, to be honest. <laughs> um, that's one reason I like kids a lot. So you can you can hear, you can find out a lot about the home um, when it comes. Uh, now you guys are like, oh great, what's well, Matt heard? No, I'm just kidding. But um, but in all reality, that's that is that is true. You know, I can. You can you can understand what a person's uh, uh, position is on on you know this certain issue that's going on in the world simply by hearing what the how the child responds. Um, there for a long while, uh, Addison just saw Trump signs everywhere, and so she was just like, "Go Trump!" And I'm like, "I'm not really. I mean, it's not I'm opposed to Trump, but it's just like." Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, Addison, why, why is this your response? When she's like, well, I don't know, everybody's excited about Trump, so she was excited about Trump. And I'm like, well, that we don't necessarily talk about that 
outwardly at home all the time, but uh, okay. And so, so we, uh, uh, so we, we, we were starting to kind of tune in. Um, uh, you know, this is this is where we as a family stand, and this is what we believe biblically is is how to uh, influence our culture and current events. Um, this, these are people that we do support, and these are people that we aren't as excited about. And, and, and so help them think through, even at young age, at young age um, this is how I can respond to a conversation in this moment. You know, there are things that people will, will die on a hill for, and there are things that we don't necessarily even need to address. Helping your child discern that early on is, is helpful, and because that's where you begin to have people that follow the crowds. And, and they, they just say, oh, man, they're really excited about this. I should probably be too. So help them understand, you know, even as you have that time as family gatherings, so your meal times, the, 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 the dinner table is, is so huge and important for that. Have those discussions. Talk through those things. Ask your children, you know, what, what they've done in school today and then how, what did they talk about um, in, in their play groups? You know, what are some things that, uh, that were said and how did they respond to it? Communication is so important. What your child says and how he says it is an indication of what is in his heart. What a child says and how he says it is an indication of what is in his heart. And really, depending on the age of the child, the wise parent must go beyond. Don't say that. Instead, ask such questions as, why are you thinking that? Why are you thinking that? Uh... Yeah, I was going to go down the trail. I'm not going to go there, so that's okay. But what are you wanting when you say something like that? What is it that you're? What was your expectation? What is your hope in in uh, in saying that 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 statement, that comment? Um, in addition to learning how to speak appropriately, children also need wise parental guidance in learning how to examine their motives. And Scripture clearly addresses foolish speech tendencies such as lying. Rash, sharp words. There's a whole list there in your in your notes. That is correct, right? Yeah. Okay. And um, and obviously some of these we we want to deal with instantly, and and there's going to be some harsh consequences to some, um, simply because God has instructed in in ways, especially when it comes to lying. Uh, I had a a professor in call in undergrad, and uh, he said that he would always. Um, uh, uh, t- you know, joke with his kids. I don't know if he was joking. I think he was being serious. But he like made up this rhyme of Revelation twenty one eight: "Liars go to hell, liars." Go-. And I'm like, "Whoa, okay, yeah, all right. Let's uh, let's calm that down a little bit." But that's a, I know that's a reality. But whew, let's. Uh, I don't think that's my nursery rhyme with my kids. But uh, but that was uh, something that he taught, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, if that works." But. Um, but uh, we have to deal with these things head on because God has said this is, this is the ramification. So parents must carefully consider the influence of their own example in the area of speech and its powerful effect on your children. How do you respond in public? How do you speak with one another? Um, what do you, how do you control yourself? How, what, what is lacking in self-control? Evaluate that. Go to someone else and say, hey, you've probably heard me talk a lot. <laughs> that will tell you what, what kind of friend you have, <laughs> how they respond. And, uh, and I'm not saying the kind of friend you have should say, no, you don't talk that much. Or, no, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that about you. Your friend, a true friend, would say, well, you know, I have, I have kind of wondered about that for a while. And, and I, I, I thought it would be at some point that I should talk to you. And since you've opened up the door, um, <laughs> that's where it comes back to what we said at the beginning. Be willing to receive that reproof. Be willing to receive that wisdom and that guidance. Remember, the tongue is a powerful instrument and can be used either to edify or to devastate others. It can be used to build others up or it can be used to break them down. And self-control, it solves a multitude of problems in life, including those associated with an unwise choice of words. Self-control is so important. So when you oppose your child's sinful communication... Be willing to discipline him lovingly but firmly. Your discipline drives home the point that God cares about how we speak to one another. Uh, 
the the book um, Your Family God's Way by Wayne Mack is is so helpful in this area and recommend that to you. But also um, the appendix, uh, appendix number 10, uh, four helpful principles for communication. Uh, let see here. As we, um, really, as, as we look at all of the remaining things, the points that are here, um, uh, how we speak to one another, communication, um, how we serve and love others, um, how we deal with desires, expectations, and disappointments. Um, those are kind of the next two main points. Uh, as, we, as we look at those, that last, one of those last points that I made is, is really inclusive, is all-inclusive. That matter of self-control, that matter of self-control. Self-control solves a multitude of problems in life. And it's not just when it comes to the choice of unwise words. Uh, Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, right? Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And so that that area alone, when it comes to self-control, is... um, uh, will will change will change your child's life, and um, as as we go through this study, um, you know, if if I were to go through all the details, we would look at some of the importance of training your child early on uh, to to neglect themselves with certain things, to withhold themselves from certain things. Um, I know um, MacArthur every once in a while says it's totally fine for uh, for us to have a cheeseburger. You know, he's not one of those green guys that say we shouldn't eat meat and all that kind of stuff it's okay for us to have a cheeseburger but he says every once in a while it's good for us to say no matt don't eat that cheeseburger you know it's it's good for us to have uh self-control and say like don't do that clearly i don't do that well enough but um but (laughs) but it's good for us to say don't do that and to and to neglect ourselves to to say no to self in that moment because you're you are training your mind, you're you're helping yourself do the right thing in that moment. I didn't want people to say that yesterday at the fun run, but you know, I wanted people to say yes to the cheeseburgers. But yeah, but in this in this uh, study, we we are looking at um, a lot of areas of self control, and that's where you're looking at um, helping your child see how they are to live wisely in this world where everything is offered to them freely and instantly. Freely and instantly. So what are we exposing our children to and what are we availing them to uh, in, in an instant gratification culture? And uh, Mark Shaw, uh, the, uh, his book Addiction Proof Parenting is such a uh, helpful resource and uh, there's even a, a kind of an abridged version of that um, I think it's titled the same. I've got it in my office. Um, that uh, that is very helpful. If if you'd be interested in that, I'd be glad to share that with you. I think I've recommended it before. But um, when it comes to these things, uh, it's a very helpful resource. But keeping Philippians two verse three in mind is is so important when it comes to these things. Do nothing from what selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. That was such a helpful time uh, several years ago when, um, when in uh, Praise Factory, uh, I decided that we're just going to go through Philippians uh, chapter 2 with the kids. Um, and uh, we memorized Philippians chapter 2 and taught through that uh, together. Um, it wasn't just for the kids' benefit. I benefited so much from that. Uh, from that study but this is the mindset that that we should all be uh, seeing fruit of within our lives because um, as as the point says to love and serve others will will bear fruit out of this this verse philippians 2 do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit consider others as as more important than yourself Uh, loving others uh, Christ's way isn't based on uh, their merit, but on his example of loving us while we were yet sinners. Romans 5.8. Just what Pastor Farrell was saying this morning. We are all depraved. We, we have no reason uh, to believe that we earned or, or we deserve an eternity in heaven 
with forgiveness of sins. Because of who we are, we deserve an eternity in hell. And yet Christ, while we were still sinning, the text actually says, he died for us. He gave himself for us that we would have forgiveness of sins. And so our love for others should follow God's example. That even when those are coming against us, even when they are being unkind to us, we should make sure our response is the way that God would respond. We should be not selfish, but we should be generous. As he showed us that the way to gain was to give up one's rights, uh, he met the genuine needs of others at his own expense, speaking of Christ. He chose to view others' interests as more important than his own, and he was impartial in his sacrificial love. So, friends, how are we being the example for that to our own children? But that's, that's what we are to instill in them, to entrust in them, is this kind of mindset. Beware of your children playing favorites with one another. Are they, impar- are they partial? Or maybe they're selfishly ignoring their little brother while their buddy comes over. James 2.9. You know, how does your child respond when someone takes a toy out of his hand? Uh, how, how does he respond when uh, someone jumps on his new bike without asking? Says, can I, can I be the first instead of you? Man, teachers, yeah, I want to be the first in line. <laughs> I want to be the line leader today. I'm the one who's going to do that. Your peace is bigger than I, than I got. That's what Jeff normally says to Jane. Your peace is bigger than mine. <laughs> but agape love involves basics like being considerate and showing kindness. Agape love includes forbearance, being tolerant. It, it, it excludes having an overly critical spirit. Friends, that's probably one of the biggest cancers, I think, in families is, is a critical spirit, a critical spirit, a critical heart, a critical response. And it, is, it doesn't even have to be the words, but oftentimes it's just the tone. It's just the tone. Um, you infer that they are in um, they are they are a problem or you infer that this is an issue and you are dissatisfied with it and and you are just so disappointed simply by the way you responded and that's that that comes from a critical response a critical spirit teach your children God's standard of 1 Corinthians 13 it bears all things it hopes all things it endures all things it's, it's that kind of love. It's loving and serving others in the home and, uh, and, and training one another uh, to do that in friendships. And, and later, it's going to be in marriage. How do you as a spouse, how do, how do your children respond to their spouses uh, in, in these ways? Uh, you can check out Appendix 1 uh, on the one another's. Well, then we would consider how to deal with desires, expectations, disappointments. Um, others uh, will consider uh, to handle trials biblically. Uh, that's a huge one, and I, we could probably spend a whole night on that. Um, but, um, but I'm going to allow you guys to read through your notes, and um, if you have questions, come back to me. But uh, these things that we've been looking at uh, already tonight... It, it really truly does go back to that area of self-control and how are you modeling that for your children and how are you entrusting biblical uh, examples of, uh, of self-control within them. Um, because oftentimes we really are the ones that are, that are building those idols for our children. You know, uh, the, the heart, yes, is an idol factory, but what we often see and, and I, I could probably talk to Pastor Brody and, 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 and much, uh, much older men that have been in ministry for, for many more years. And they would probably say that, that parents oftentimes are really the idol factories. They're the one building up that thing for their child that will then clutch hold to it and say, this is what's most important. Baseball is what's most important. The musical, uh, don't tell Lori I said that, is, is, is what, yeah, I just kind of came out, I didn't, yeah, is, is, is most important. Uh, you know, this, even, even this grade, 
is most important. Even pleasing my parents is most important. Friends, what is most important? Honoring the Lord, fearing God. That is what's most important. And so be sure that we aren't the ones creating those idols. Be sure that we aren't the one that are creating the ones, are creating the things that our child or our children will, will follow after and linger after for the rest of their lives. Pray for them, speak truth to them, and be, uh, be the examples that they need as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these words of wisdom. Thank you for your truth that instructs us for, with everything that we need for this life and for godliness. You have instilled uh, truth beyond measure to us. And, Father, we just drink it, we, we eat it, we, we are nourished by it. And, Father, I pray we are transformed by it. I know I have been. Uh, you're continuing to sanctify me and uh, set my own heart aside, uh, realizing uh, the sinfulness, the idols that I have produced in my own heart. I thank you, Father, that you are doing that good work in me. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here tonight as they um, uh, speak truth to me, as they confront me. And I pray that we would do that for one another that we would be open to that correction, that we would be open, um, have open ears uh, to hear and listen um, uh, when, uh, when someone comes and confronts us on maybe an area that we need to be careful on or that we need to address uh, because you have graciously brought that to attention. What a, what a privilege, what a blessing, what an opportunity to ask for forgiveness and to repent and to bring about reconciliation. Uh, you are good to us, and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.